0: This episode of Geeks Crossing is brought to you by today's sponsor, Anchor. Ever wanted to start a podcast but can't find the right platform to work with? Don't worry, Anchor has you covered. Anchor is a free audio app that allows you to record a podcast on any device no matter where you are. Anchor includes an editing feature that allows you to customize your podcast, whether it be on your computer or mobile device, so you can easily omit any errors or unnecessary parts. Anchor also allows you to distribute your podcast to other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Podcasts, which is amazing. Did I mention the part about making money? No? Well, you could be earning money every time someone listens to your podcast with no minimum listenership. If that's not the easiest way to make a podcast, I don't know what is. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new Geeks Crossing miniseries. My name is Matt, and as you may or may not know, I'm sort of all over the place with the things that I really love. I'm a geek for animation, certain video games, the MCU, Star Wars, Dungeons and Dragons, literature, history, and even biology to a certain extent. I've always loved animals. Uh, If you start talking to me about cells or plants or things that either I can't see or just sit there all day, you might lose me. But, (laughs) you know, I'll be real with you guys. Brainstorming a consistent segment on this podcast has been very tricky. We're starting to branch out in little segments on here. I have a very diverse pool of interests, as I said, so that's been tricky. Not to say that the rest of the podcast isn't. We have a very wide range of interests uh, covering all four of us, so definitely stay tuned for all sorts of fun stuff, and you can stay used to the wide range, of course, on all content, but mine, of course, as well. Um, So that's kind of just where I got inspired for Renaissance Matt. Uh, A Renaissance man is someone who has a knowledge in many subjects, if you didn't already know. I was originally going to call this polymat, since the word polymath means the same thing, but I was worried people might have thought I would be delving into discussions about polyamorous relationships, which you probably won't be able to expect from this. In each episode, I'm going to be looking in depth at something of interest, ranging from cartoons to historical figures, video games to movies, and reflecting on each of them. Seems like a kind of fun little reflection series. As a whole to get you thinking about the interesting intricacies of everything from people you've never heard of maybe to people you have heard of and from shows that you never watched or shows that you watched religiously your favorite movies or interesting video games just all sorts of stuff is going to be covered here and as I'm sure you realized when you clicked on this podcast today I'm going to be talking about Phineas and Ferb so Phineas and Ferb appears to be going through something of a renaissance Right now, no pun intended on the name, although the name itself is already a pun. Renaissance, Matt, Renaissance, Man, whatever. So I have a few theories as to why Phineas and Ferb is so big right now. It can be that this summer vacation has pretty much lasted five months for a lot of people, leading to the uh, exploration of this summer vacation, this never-ending summer vacation series. It could be that this is the first summer where people have Disney+, Plus, because you'll recall it came out last November. So a lot of people have easy access to every episode of Quite possibly the definitive summer show. It could also be the Disney Plus movie, Candace Against the Universe, which has revived the series after its conclusion in 2015. At the time of this recording, that's not out yet, but I think it comes out next week. So, you know, that probably has piqued a lot of people's interest. Uh, or heck, it could be uh, Dan Povenmeier. Uh He's the co-creator and the voice of Doofenshmirt. From what I know, he's all over TikTok right now. He responds to a lot of TikToks and he plays Doofenshmirtz. He does the voice. So he's having like a social media resurgence. So it could be that. I don't know. But um, more likely it's a combination of all these factors. Except maybe that last one, now that I think about it. (laughs) But the show is all over YouTube from the video essayists about why the show is so interesting, so good. The top 10 channels, best characters, episodes, whatever. Uh, Even to Silva Gunner, (laughs) which has promised so many So many rips, if you don't know what Silver Gunner is, that's a can of worms in and of itself. But it's seemingly every genre in between, Phineas and Ferb. And it's not just me. A quick search on Google Trends shows a month-long rise of interest in the show to its highest point since the show's ending. Uh, Coincidentally... My brothers and I selected it as our final TV show binge of the summer a few weeks back. Again, it seemed fitting. And we're watching through it at the time of this recording. We're mid to late season two, I think, right now. So really, I I can think of no better way to start off this little Renaissance Matt series than a reflection on Phineas and Ferb. To start off, the the show has an incredibly fun and interesting history. Showrunners Jeff Swampy Marsh and Dan Pauvenmeyer met as layout artists for The Simpsons, where they became close friends. And they later found themselves together once again on a different network working for Rocco's Modern Life, where they really discovered their passion for working together. I believe the episode they wrote had a lot of songs in it, which kind of foreshadowing a little bit. But they discovered that they really just had a nice system, a symbiotic relationship for working together, and they began to come up with this idea for a show, and this is all the way back in the 90s, mind you. For those who don't know, Phineas and Ferb aired, I think 2007, 2006, 2008, that area. I want to see 2007. So Dan first came up with the idea for Phineas's design while doodling on a napkin at a restaurant with some supplied crayons. Like, one of those restaurants, I think, where... The tablecloth is paper and there's crayons. He has that doodle framed in his office to this day. (laughs) As a doodler and a creator myself, that's the most inspiring thing I've ever heard. And I can only hope to be so lucky one day as to sketch a million dollar character at Applebee's one night. (laughs) But yeah, around uh, the turn of the century, Phineas and Ferb was eventually developed that night Dan called Jeff Swampy Marsh and pretty much said, uh, I got Phineas. This is our design. Let's roll with it. Around the turn of the century, it was developed and it was pitched and it failed. Uh, No major networks really accepted the pitch. Dan and Swampy closed up shop. They went their separate ways. Swampy moved to England, worked on some shows there. I think uh, Postman Pat, if you're British, I think that's a pretty big children's show over there. So some iteration of that, Jeff Swampy Marsh worked on. Dan stayed in the US. He found massive success with SpongeBob SquarePants and especially Family Guy, where he became close with creator Seth MacFarlane and helped the show win an Emmy for an episode he directed. So that's pretty cool. However, even as they drifted apart, Dan and Swampy kept Phineas and Ferb in their back pockets. After using his SpongeBob SquarePants in to pitch the show to Nick, who said it was too complicated and turned it down, Dan eventually got an audience with Disney. According to an interview he and Swampy gave to AnimationWorldNetwork.com shortly after their show got picked up, Dan said he was worried that his close ties to Family Tie, uh, Family Guys, sorry, not Family Ties. He's not that old. Dan says he was worried that his close ties to the show Family Guy would harm Phineas and Ferb's chances with the family-friendly Disney Channel. But as luck would have it, the senior vice president who pretty much handled a lot of the interviewing and picking up for new shows was a huge Family Guy fan and he was even fanboy fanboying to Dan about the show before Dan even had a chance to pitch Phineas and Ferb. So this almost certainly helped the pitch to be successful. It definitely made the audience warmer. That's a very fun fact I never knew before researching for this episode. Before they knew it, Dan and Swampy were in business and many of our childhoods are better for it. So that's the history of the show, (laughs) interesting enough. It ran 2007 to 2015. Then, I believe they came back, Phineas and Ferb, the characters, in an episode of Milo Murphy's Law, which is Dan and Swampy's next show, their spiritual successor in a way. It's a very interesting dynamic, and the, the crossover explores that a little bit. Phineas and Ferb, I'll get into the plot details later, but they have this kind of golden boy charm, like everything will work out perfectly for them. So, the successor series follows a kid, voiced by Weird Al Yankovic, of all people, who just... Everything bad happens to him, like, because he's a descendant of the Murphy's Law Murphy, where everything that can go wrong will go wrong, but I'm totally digressing. So, yeah, for starters, Phineas and Ferb, and even its spiritual successor, Milo Murphy's Law, are incredibly creator-driven. Dan and Swampy are... Are, they just remain so involved with the production of their content. They're voicing background characters all the time. They're taking key roles in both shows. Swampy voices Perry the Platypus's boss, Major Monogram. And Dan voices Perry's sworn nemesis and the iconic Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Fun fact, in Milo Murphy's Law, Swampy and Dan voice Cavendish and Dakota, who are two time travel agents. They're like buddy cops together. And their supporting roles so those characters are a lot closer obviously than than major monogram and doofenshmirtz who i don't really think ever talk that much (laughs) but pretty funny that it's the two of them i'm generally of the opinion that it doesn't get much better than creator driven content you get to have the conceivers and developers of an idea in the steering wheel the whole time they make sure that they get to explore the stories and the characters that they want to at their own pace It's really just fantastic setup. Creator-driven content has given us such gems as Gravity Falls and Avatar The Last Airbender. So I just find it definitely the way to go with storytelling. Trying to think if there's an example of a show that really doesn't have it. I guess Spongebob after, like, one of the earlier seasons when Steven Hillenburg left and it was kind of just whatever. But I understand that a lot of it was people close to Steven Hillenburg were running it. So it wasn't really, like, network run, but nowadays i think it is it's whatever i mean that's an example of a show that's not creator driven i think creator driven content is incredibly important i think if you look back at my top 10 best cartoons list uh um of the 2010s i want to say that most of them if not all of them are probably creator driven that's what took me away that's why bfdi got on there because that's just uh, again i digress but phineas and ferb being creator driven makes it just so great but i would argue when comparing the show to gravity falls and avatar the last I would I would argue Phineas and Ferb isn't really about rich stories. In fact, it is infamously one of the most formulaic shows of all time. <laughs> Phineas and Ferb build something incredible. Candace tries to bust them by showing the invention to their mother to get them in trouble. Major Monogram sends Perry the Platypus on a mission to stop Dr. Doofenshmirtz, who's building a convoluted evil innator, and the innator typically destroys whatever Phineas and Ferb build so their mother never sees it. And then I think they have dessert at the end. Even the lines are formulaic. Isabella will always ask the boys what they're doing. Somebody will always note Perry's absence. Phineas will tell Ferb that he knows what they're going to do today. Doofenshmirtz will curse Perry the Platypus as he's vanquished. Someone will ask Phineas if he's a little young to be doing whatever big project he's constru- in or they'll mix around with that sometimes are you a little old to be doing that or whatever uh, and someone will always note perry's return at the end well maybe not always for for those categories but for al- almost always it's very consistent the show clearly delights in its formulaic nature embracing it even so add all these repetitive plots for more than 211 minute episodes pepper in the occasional change to the status quo or different turn of events every now and then and you've got Phineas and Ferb. And on paper, that should make the show an absolute eye roll. The same thing over and over for more than 200 episodes. But maybe it's the clever and funny writing or the lovable characters. Or heck, maybe the formulae concept just really works. Because this show was and is... One of the best childhood shows there is. I mean, SpongeBob's on there too, but but Phineas and Ferb just takes the cake. It kind of just reminds you of being a kid at surface level, dreaming up the craziest roller coaster imaginable, or wondering what life would be like if you had robot copycats that could do your work for you. Just all that, those little childhood thoughts explored on uh, an actual television. And the wide array of characters, of course, also adds to the comfort of the formulaic setup. You have Phineas and Ferb, who balance this sort of goody two-shoes, nothing-ever-goes-wrong attitude with genuinely likable personalities. Candace is consistently funny, of course, a borderline crazy person who's just dead set on making sure Phineas and Ferb get in trouble for whatever they're doing. Then Dr. Doofenshmirtz and, by extension, Perry have this iconic dynamic that many of us still remember, even without rewatching a single minute of Phineas and Ferb. Add in a bunch of side characters, including the boy's family and friends, Candace's friends, Doofenshmirtz's family, his rival villains, Perry's agency. And you've got a very deeply thought-out show for such a simple and silly concept. Uh, episodes in, you'll find characters interacting with each other who've never interacted before, and it's just... They really love playing around with the formulaic nature that they establish. And that's not even mentioning another aspect of what makes Phineas and Ferb so famous. It's music! Starting around the second or third episode, the show started including a new song or musical number in every single episode. And a lot of episodes have more than one. Like, a, Like, a good portion, I think the Christmas special... The roller coaster musical—they'll have like five or six songs, probably even more than that. Now that I think about it, add that all up, you've got over 250 original songs, each in its own style, often parodying other genres of music. Like, like they've parodied country, they've parodied theater music, they've done rap, they've done uh, like ABBA, like pop. <laughs> they are, go all over the place, and again, that's totally Dan and Swampy's ideas too, because. Both of them have musical backgrounds, and a lot of the time they'll come up with a rough idea for each song themselves, and they'll send it to the show's composer. In that same interview I referenced earlier, they said it's pretty much just them singing this rough idea of a song on a guitar and just leaving a message on their composer's mailbox. Uh, It's just so hilarious, so charming, incredibly unique. You can really tell that these people care deeply about the show, about their project, and they just are trying as hard as they can to make sure that this is something that's incredibly memorable, which of course they succeed at doing. This may be a nice walk down memory lane, but Dan and Swampy have actually hinted recently that they might not be done with their prized IP. The, as I said earlier, the Phineas and Ferb gang showed up in their successor series Milo Murphy's Law for a crossover episode, and believe it or not Doofenshmirtz and Perry actually became staple characters in Milo Murphy's Law's second season. To a degree that often seemed a little bit much, like these older characters are trying to take over a new show and it's not really allowed to do its own thing Um, but i'm sure it was an attempt to drum up more views i don't think milo murphy's law was terribly successful on that front with its first season but who knows might have just been dan and swampy trying to have a little fun throwing in doof i loved doof was my favorite character in the show uh, so (laughs) more doof the merrier i guess but it does get a little much anyway uh milo murphy's law has been postponed indefinitely sort of not renewed for a third season kind of a shame disney did that to wander over yonder too but they were way more public about it they were like okay heads up creators of wander over yonder craig mccracken whatever you're not getting another season wrap it up at the very least they i don't actually i I think they did that but if not they were public and they said yeah this show's not getting a third season with milo murphy's law they kind of haven't told them Uh, Dan and Swampy have gone on record saying we have no idea what's going on. We thought maybe they're waiting to see if Milo Murphy's Law numbers go back up with Disney+. Plus. We're not really sure. So it's in sort of a weird limbo. But between working on this movie and getting a chance to revive these old characters, Dan and Swampy have publicly mused about seeing some sort of return, perhaps with more Disney Plus films in the future. So that's very interesting. Uh, I definitely welcome. Phineas and Ferb, the show ended in a very satisfying way. To an extent. Uh, they kind of wrapped everything up, explored pretty much what we thought would happen. I don't know. I, I, would, I would be more privy to see Dan and Swampy, what they could develop next. Milo Murphy's Law, that was another previous quarantine binge with me and my younger brothers. It was pretty good. <laughs> it felt like Phineas and Ferb's uh, sense of humor, which must just be Dan and Swampy's sense of humor. First season was really strong. As I said, second season was kind of just hijacked by Doofenshmirtz, which is a little weird, but you could see, like, with season one of that show, what Dan and Swampy can do when they come up with new characters and new stories and explore all that. They still are pretty funny, uh, but, you know, if Phineas and Ferber are gonna come back, uh, Dan and Swampy are the ones pushing, or not at least pushing for it, but welcoming it, so that's okay, I, I think, um, to an extent. If it was Disney trying to push them to do it, then it would be, like, a little weird, but as of right now, they seem very excited, and it's their stuff, so, like, why not, right? Let's see what they have to offer. 2020 has certainly been a heck of a year, that's for sure, but it has at least brought a resurgence of a very solid show from many of our childhoods. Rewatching the show with my younger brothers has been an absolute blast. I can promise you it has aged exceptionally for the most part. There is a surprising lack of really dated jokes, if you have Disney+. Plus definitely recommend watching it it's a shame that summer is just about over at the time of this recording we got like a week or two. Le- oh well august is almost over i guess summer goes on till september 20th which is a little weird but hey whatever so so for me the end of august is like the end of summer but summer seems like it's winding down so it might not seem like the best time to watch phineas and prayer but you know what it'll get you hyped for next summer worst comes to worst and as you tend you tend to get that when you have a very unique and original show. You tend to get this uh, this really good style of comedy, of storytelling, and you tend to not get many dated jokes when you have such an original show that's so widespread and diverse when it makes any references that it very rarely ever feels broadly out of touch. Dan Swampy, my secret agent fedora is off to both of you. In the future, I do plan on making either a top 10 childhood cartoons episode or a top 10 cartoons of the 2000s to serve as a follow-up to my first ever episode on Geeks Crossing. I'm not sure which one I'll go with, I can probably only do one of the two because since I grew up in the 2000s, a lot of those episodes, a lot of those shows are going to overlap and it'll pretty much be the same thing twice with minor exceptions. I'll tweak it, but rest assured, I think whether it's my top 10 childhood cartoons or my top 10 favorite cartoons of the 2000s, you can assume, <laughs> regardless of which I go with, that these in- invention-loving stepbrothers will end up on there somewhere, of course. In fact, uh, that those lists that I was flowing with making was the original inspiration for this video. I just wanted to talk about Phineas and Ferb for as long as I could. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in to my little look back and reflection on Phineas and Ferb, and I want to turn it to you if you guys have had in Disney+, um, you gotten around to rewatching it? Not I highly recommend it. Uh what was your favorite episode? Rewatching it or as an adult now, years later? What's your favorite episode? I don't even know if I can answer that question. I already told you I love Doof, but who was your favorite character? And what's your favorite song? I'm torn on that because I love a lot of the songs in that show. Let me think off the top of my head, actually, which ones I really like. Uh, Disco Miniature Golfing Queen as, like, an ABBA parody is really funny. I love that episode, actually, because it kind of just messes up the formula. You have Stacey involved now for the first time. Okay, I'm, I'm get, again, off track, totally off track. <laughs> But yeah, Mix and Mingle Machine another good one. You got some classics, Backyard Beach, whatever. But what's your favorite song in the show? I want to know, and I want to know why. So let me know all these, all these answers in our Discord, link in the description of this episode. <laughs> My name is Matt, and this has been a Geeks Crossing podcast. Carpe DM everyone, and I will see you next time.